Hey everyone, Sam Ovens here, and today I want to tell you about systems thinking and how most successful people think. Now, systems thinking is something that, you know, has fascinated me for a long time, and I've always been looking at, you know, some people who are really successful, like entrepreneurs, uh, but even employees and people who, you know, are really good at anything, and I've been trying to think, you know, what really separates them? Why are they different? How come they can see things that, that other people can't? And what goes on in their brain? Like, how do they think differently than normal people? And this thing has fascinated me for a long time. And I've really tried to study it. And, you know, it's even become a, a point of obsession where I've been trying to figure it out. And after a long time, after years, you know, I figured out that most successful people, it doesn't matter what field they're in, they're systems thinkers. And what that means is they view everything as a system and how they think through things and how they visualize things in their mind is interconnected systems, not linear, like, you know, chain of cause and effect. And I'm gonna explain this to you in this video and I'm gonna show you, you know, how a systems thinker thinks. I'm gonna show you how you can become a systems thinker and how this has an immediate and profound effect on the results that you'll get in your business and in your life. So first of all, like what is a system and what is systems thinking? Well, it doesn't matter where you look in the world, like the world is full of systems, they're everywhere. And I'll give you some examples. Like we have the solar system, right? That's what it's called. And it's called a solar system because there's all of these different planets and they all, you know, rotate around each other and all of them affect how, like what happens with other things, it's all interconnected. And the solar system is basically moving, it's interactive and it's trying to balance all the time, right? And then within a solar system, we have like Earth and then within Earth, we have an ecosystem, right? That's what nature is. And the ecosystem is what we all live in. You know, there's trees that produce oxygen and to do that, they need water which comes from rain and clouds and also the sun, which, you know, which provides, uh, which heats the earth and then the, the water evaporates, rises up, forms clouds, drops down. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing to look at because one of the best systems in the world, well, actually, this is hands down the best system ever, is nature. You know, and if you think about it, like nature, it is, it's smarter than any one of us on earth by a mile. Like, we cannot figure it out. We still can't predict the weather. And, you know, we still can't really predict anything. Uh, but nature is, it, it continues to outsmart us all the time. And what nature is doing is it's, it's all interconnected, right? You've got, like, the sun, and that's interconnected by heating water that's, like, in rivers and in the oceans uh, on Earth. And then that's evaporating. It's coming and forming clouds. And then the clouds are moving around with wind and they're spreading rain into different areas, areas which might need water. And it's the sun is taking that water um, out of other areas that, that have a lot of water. So, you know, nature is trying to balance itself all the time. And even some things that, you know, we think, we humans think are bad. For a, a classic example is like forest fires, right? Like, it's fascinating, a, a lot of humans, well, most humans always thought, you know, forest fires are bad. And so what they did is they decided to put an initiative in place to try and stop forest fires altogether. 
And then what happened is they thought they were successful because they were able to, to stop some forest fires for a long time. But then what happened is one big gnarly forest fire just swept through and just annihilated everything. And then in hindsight, they realized that those small bushfires that happen all the time, that's nature's way of getting rid of the debris that's on the forest floor so that it never piles up too high and that it, it burns off and it causes small fires and small fires are actually a lot better than one big catastrophic fire, right? And so by preventing those fires, they actually caused a bigger one. And this is a classic example of, you know, why nature is, is a lot more intelligent than, than us humans. And it's the ultimate system. And, you know, it goes further than that. There's, you know, if you, if you think into society and different humans and, and they're interconnecting, you know, we've got social systems. We've got a legal system. You know, the, the legal system is different laws and how all of those laws interconnect. Social systems, you know, those are different social norms and we've got systems for operating. You know, if a, if a human wants to interact in, in society, they, it's very hard for them to just make everything up and go out there and say and do whatever the hell they want. They won't be able to communicate with other people. They won't be accepted. And, you know, they won't really be able to integrate with the social system API because they don't know the protocols to, to call into that thing and communicate things. And so, you know, we have to learn all of these different systems in order to operate within the system. And as you start going deeper into this thing, you realize that everything is really a system. We've got a language system. We've got a numbering system. You know, when we're educated, we learn the number system, which is just very simple numbers. And then we learn how to, you know, we learn a language like English or Chinese or whatever. And the languages are just built up of words and the interconnections of those words and numbers are just made up of numbers and the interconnection of those numbers creates the system. So we learn these elementary building blocks that then can be used to interconnect and communicate and do all of these things. And without knowing the number system or without knowing a language system and without knowing the legal system or the social system, then a human being cannot operate in, in this world the way it is right now. So you start to get my point. And then it goes, you know, even deeper. Like here's all of the, this isn't even all of the systems within your body. You know, you've got your immune system, your cardiovascular system, your respiratory system, your digestive system. And then you've got your reproductive system. And then your muscular system, your sensory system, your nervous system, right? It goes on and on. And it, there's systems within systems. And when you really start to look, you, you realize that all life really is, is all of these different systems at all different levels and all of them interconnect. Now, why am I talking about all of this and how does this actually help you in business? Well, business is, you know, a system again. You know, we've got an accounting system to try and figure out, you know, if we're making a profit or a loss. We have, you know, all sorts of online systems, right? There's Google, there's Facebook, there's, you know, and if, if you're going to use a software, like if you're going to use a landing page software like ClickFunnels, that's a system. You've got to learn that system and how, what its components are and how those components interconnect. And what I've found is that the people who do really well as entrepreneurs uh, and really well in life as well, and our best hires, you know, the people that are just exceptional, they're all systems thinkers. And why that's important is these days I see a lot of people who are not systems thinkers. And what's the opposite of a systems thinker? Well, it's really like 
a component thinker, right? And what that means is that instead of viewing the whole and how the whole has all of these moving parts and how all of these moving parts interconnect, they just see a piece and they just see this piece frozen in time like it's static and you know all they know is this piece but they don't know how this piece fits into a larger whole and changes and affects other things within the whole right and in business like the piece is never important what what is important is the whole and the well-being of the whole and the whole is the business right so a classic example of this you know might be so might be an accountant right and this is true this is this is like accountants are notorious for this you know a lot of accountants they're so closed-minded and narrow-minded that all they can see and think about is just like the P&L and balance sheet that that's all they see and they're just confined to thinking about things as accounting so they might look at our expenses for Facebook ads and be like Oh my god this is this is stupid why are you spending this much money on facebook ads like why are you spending millions of dollars on it this is a waste this is an expense and what that accountant can't see is that you know when we spend money on ads we actually that's the action right which is an expense but then the reaction of that action is that we make a profit now that's not always true you that's that doesn't mean that if anyone spends money on ads they're going to make a profit but we do it in a way that does that and so, you know, you have to take your time to explain it to these people and they still really can't get it. And I'm like, man, what the hell is wrong with this person? Like, if I put $1 into a machine and $3 comes out, why would I limit my putting of dollars into the machine, right? That's what an accountant thinks you should do. Well, that's what a, a bad one thinks you should do, right? Because they can't see the bigger picture. They can't see how all of these things interconnect. So they just see expenses as bad, and they can't see how an expense can actually create income. And they're component thinkers, you know, they can only see their little thing. And another example of this is basically, uh, you know, a lot of employees who are just narrow-minded in their little area. So you might have someone in customer support who, you know, who is, who is answering support tickets in a particular way and doing things in a particular way not to not thinking about how that's going to affect the larger whole and you know they might think oh if i do this then it might come back and affect finance or it might come back and affect you know our live chat website team or it might affect you know another team right they don't think about how all of these things interconnect they just think things operate uh in isolation and you know a lot of people think like this they think that everything operates in a vacuum and I see this, a classic example in marketing, is people who just focus on their landing page conversion rate, right? They look at their landing page and they see a conversion rate and they see a cost per lead, which is a cost per email address. And let's say that that number is 15% opt-in rate and they might think, oh, that's bad. So then what they do is they start, they start making changes to that landing page and they get it from 15% to 30% or 40%. And they're like, oh, that's good. I improved that conversion rate there. That's a component thinker's view, right? What a systems thinker would do is they would look at the whole. They would look at the health of the whole, not the part. And so instead of thinking about a landing page, they would think about the entire machine. And where does that machine end? What's the ultimate measurement within this machine? Well, it's getting a customer and cost per acquisition and ROI, return on investment, right? And so, when a systems thinker makes changes to their landing page, 
they're not so worried about the landing page conversion rate. They're worried about the change to the cost per acquisition and the ROI. And this is how I do things. Like when I'm optimizing my landing page, I've taken it from like 18% to 40% and I've actually hurt sales at the end. And a lot of people don't understand that you can do this. You know, you can get an improvement here and kill everything here where it matters. So where it doesn't matter, you can make an improvement. Where it really matters, you can hurt it. It is more than possible, and I see this all the time, where these things actually go opposite ways at different stages in the machine. And only really a systems thinker can, can do this. Another classic example is a lot of entrepreneurs I see who just have really shitty, like, customer support. You know, they, they think that customer support is, is not worth anything to a customer. They think that, you know, that part of the business, they should just farm out to, you know, to some people overseas uh, for like, you know, $500 a month for them to just do and figure it out. And it's an afterthought, right? Because all their money, they think, should be invested into marketing and, and other things because support doesn't influence income. That's how a, that's how a component thinker would, would think. But a systems thinker would, would think, hey, if a customer buys from us and then they have a question, and if we answer that question poorly or late, or you know, if it's not done professionally and well, if it doesn't woe the customer, then how's that customer gonna feel? Probably pretty bad. And then if we sell something else, which we're highly likely to do, then they're less likely to buy something else from us in the future. So actually we're harming ourselves by offering shitty support. We're actually gonna make less money by doing that. That's what a systems thinker would think. And so that's why, you know, with, with my team, we've got like, we've got well-paid, well-trained, full-time, like US-based, like people doing our customer support, and I obsess over it. You know, I try, I look at all of the numbers, I look at our happiness score, which is how happy people are, and that is, uh, you know, I looked at the standards across the board, and like Google and, and a lot of companies that are really good at this, they've got their satisfaction score at like 92, happiness. Right, and we've been able to get ours to about 87, and that's pretty damn good. And we, you know, my mission is to get it better than Google's, right? And we're doing that. We're making it better every day, and that's actually had an effect on our sales. We make more money because our support's better. Because when a customer has an amazing experience, and when they've dealt with other businesses like ours, they've had a horrible one, then who are they more likely to buy from next time around? It's a no-brainer. But only when you think like a systems thinker. And also we obsess over the response time, how fast from when someone submits a ticket to when we reply. You know, right now we're at like two hours or two and a half hours, and I wanna get that down. You know, my mission's to get that to like six minutes, right? Because I want it not to just be good enough, I want it to be exceptional to the point that our support becomes a marketing and sales tool in and of itself. That's systems thinking. Everything can be used to do anything because it all interconnects, right? Now, I want to show you how a system basically works, first and foremost, because it's pretty simple. And everything in the world works like this. So you've got inputs over here, and inputs are what you put into a system, and then you've got processes in the middle, the triangle, and the processes are like, you know, what happens with those inputs. It's, it's like a, you know, it's how you're manipulating and combining and changing those inputs to produce something. And then you've got 
on the other side, the outputs. And that's all really a system has, inputs, processes, and outputs. But then there's something that influences a system, and that's the environment, that's the sun up here. Because, like I said, nothing works in a vacuum. You know, like, when you're building out, when you're doing anything, like, it, it's not like it's not, it's not like it's not affected by something else. Everything is always running in a vacuum. And a classic example of this is like, you know, your, imagine you as a human and you've got your, you know, your, you've got a, your system. A human is basically a system, right? You got all of these different components within you and then you've got all of the interconnections between all of them. Now, if you want an output out of yourself, which is good, like if you wanna be happy and if you wanna perform well and do good work and be focused and all of that, then if that's the output that you want, then the inputs matter. You know, if you, if you don't sleep properly, then your output isn't gonna be very good because sleep is a really important input. If your food isn't good, then your output isn't gonna be very good. And just to show you how inputs actually affect outputs, just try having like 20 beers as an input, right? Just try drink 20 of those and then see how, see how sharp you are, right? You, you won't be. So that's just right there that shows you that what goes in affects what comes out. And there's this saying, you know, with, with systems, garbage in, garbage out. You know, what, what we put in is often what we get out. And then we've got the environment which affects us too. And humans are really influenced by the, our environment. You know, one of the largest uh, influences of our happiness and things is the weather. And, you know, if it's sunny, we're statistically more likely to be happy, just if it's sunny. And if you don't believe me on this one, then look at the most uh, depressed countries in the world. And it'll be those ones over like Greenland, Iceland, where they don't have any daylight for basically all of, like most of the year, right? And then if you look at some of the happiest places, then you'll notice that it's, it's places with really good weather, right? And there's even a trader called like Paul Tudor Jones who, who even has developed a, a, a stock trading algorithm that basically looks at weather patterns and humans' reactions to weather patterns and it trades stocks based on that because humans are more likely to feel good and make uh, optimistic bets when it's sunny. You know, we think we're logical, but we're affected by the sun. That changes our decisions. All right, and so we've got inputs, outputs, processes, we've got our environment, and then we have feedback. And what feedback is, is, you know, outputs actually affect inputs, right? So all of this stuff is interconnected. And a classic example of this is, you know, if you have, just think about a crowd forming, right? So if, you're, if there's like a, a, some sort of dance party or music event or something like that, and let's say that no one is dancing and it's just an empty field, then one person goes in and starts dancing that one person's gonna be by himself for a while, but then as another person comes in, then people slowly start coming in faster and faster because a crowd's now forming. And then as soon as a lot of people start running in, a lot more people start running in, and then a lot more people start running in, and it grows exponentially. And this is a classic example about how outputs come back and provide feedback to inputs, right? 
And this happens the same way on the way back down. You know, if a lot of people start leaving like a, a dance, uh, dance circle or whatever the hell you call those things, then a lot more people start leaving, right? And it, it decreases just as fast as it, as it uh, increases. And that's basically how it works. Now, you know, one thing, this, this operates everywhere. This is what we call a feedback loop. When, you know, when the output of something directly affects the input of something. And a classic example of this is, you know, the stock market and stocks. So the biggest influence on a price of a stock is the price of a stock. So if a stock price is going up quite fast, then that's gonna influence more people to think, oh, this is good. And then the people who put their money in, they're gonna be like, oh, this, this wasn't the right decision. So they might put more in and tell more people, and then you get, you get your bubble. You get your Bitcoin, you know, sort of event because of the feedback. And so that's basically how systems work. And so you don't have to be like an Einstein or a NASA space scientist to really become a systems thinker. All you do is you just think about inputs, outputs, processes, feedback, environment. So you wanna think in your, you know, yourself, like if you, what outputs do you want out of yourself? Do you wanna do really good work? Do you wanna be healthy and fit? Well, then you need to have good inputs. You need to be good, you need to eat good food, you need to sleep. And more than the physical things, you need to put good, uh, you know, good information into your brain. You know, if you, if you don't ever read anything or watch anything or consume any form of information, it is impossible for you to know anything, right? We don't, we're not just born knowing stuff. We don't know anything when we're born other than some survival instincts which are, you know, programmed into us from, you know, our evolution. But that's really it. If we want to learn something, we have to have inputs. So, you know, smart people will often read books. That's how they learn. And then they'll often watch good sources of information. You know, they won't be watching the news and they won't be reading the newspaper and they won't be, uh, you know, watching like Game of Thrones and binge watching Netflix because that's, that doesn't really teach you anything, right? But instead, they'll be reading books and they will be doing experiments and learning uh, and that, that'll be the input into their brain and then obviously the output is knowledge, right? So it doesn't matter where you look, everything is this simple. If you wanna be healthy, eat well, sleep well, drink water, exercise. Those are the inputs, the outputs are health, right? If you want to be knowledgeable or smart at something, read good books, practice, learn. Put those inputs in, intelligence is the output. And then if you want, you know, if you want to grow a business, well then you've got to think like, what are the inputs, processes, and outputs, right? And this is basically what I broke my business down to. I realized inputs are basically, is web traffic. So people becoming aware of what we're doing, right? Those are the inputs, traffic, number of human eyeballs coming through on the internet. That's the input. What is the process? Well, that would be like, right now it's my uh, automated webinar. So a webinar that shows people a presentation, explains what it's all about and sees if they're interested. What is the output? Well, it's like a customer, someone signs up or not, right? And then what's the environment? Well, the environment is, you know, there's changing PPC prices, like the chain, uh, sorry, the uh, CPC prices. 
So, you know, those move up and down. And there's also competition. You know, if, if someone comes in and, and they're doing something better, then that, that massively changes the environment, right? So this doesn't just run in isolation in a vacuum. It is affected by a lot of other things. And so a good, a good systems thinker will first and foremost create a basic elementary system where you've got inputs, processes, and outputs, and they will test it at a small scale to make sure that it delivers the desirable outputs. What is that? Well, it's customers at a profit. So if I spend a grand, do I make like more than one grand? Do I, I want to make at least like two grand? So if I put a thousand in and I get a bunch of clicks coming through, and do I make more on the output? If that is true at a small scale, then it should be true at a large scale. And then we just keep scaling it up until we get you know, to more than 120,000 a day, all right? It's as simple as that. We don't, you know, we don't do some weird magic to just scale it up. It has to be inputs. It has to be an increase in inputs to move that thing up. There is no magic. Magic is only things that people cannot understand, all right? And this is what it is. There's also feedback that comes from that. You know, if someone comes through our program and gets good results, then they will tell people about their results and then more people are likely to buy my program because it's been getting people good results. And then when they tell more people and more people join, then that's more people who are likely to have good results. And so when, when they have better results, they tell more people and you see what happens here. We have a crowd forming sort of phenomenon. But the environment is also playing a part. You know, we, we have to watch what's going on with uh, the internet and with uh, CPC prices, different channels, different competitors, different strategies, right? All of these things are influencing it. And that's basically, you know, how I view my business and then every different part within the business. And it's how I view myself, it's how I view everything. And I've been doing it for basically my whole life, but I didn't really know what it was and I couldn't put a name and a word to it and it's systems thinking. Now you're probably thinking, all right, I kind of get this, but I, now I wanna make it really clear to you, just the main tools and the main points of difference between you know, a normal person and a systems thinker. So here we've got tools, all right? So the first thing is disconnection and interconnectedness, right? top left and a normal person thinks with you know disconnection so they're thinking that everything is different and it's not interconnected so my customer support team has no effect on my sales right and my marketing has no effect on my customer support and my customer support and my marketing have no effect on my finances right it's pretty messed up that's honestly how they think that's like you know, that's like doctors who treat a specific symptom without understanding how that's going to affect other systems within your body, right? And then we have, you know, the next one across is, so good, good systems thinkers always see that everything is interconnected. There is no such thing that isn't connected to something else. It is through multiple different dimensions. Everything is connected. Right, and then linear versus circular. So you know, uh, normal people they think that everything happens linearly, and what I mean by that is that, like an event happens now, that affects like an event that happens there, and then that affects an event that happens there. 
But what they don't understand is that that's not what really happens. Otherwise, how does a crowd form exponentially? How do stock prices grow exponentially? How do we get any form of exponential behavior when things happen in linear cause and effect chains, right? It's impossible. The only reason why you know, a crowd forms faster and faster and faster is because the more uh, people that are joining influences the more people that are joining. And like I said, one of the biggest influences of the price of a stock is the price of a stock. And if it's going up, it's more likely to keep going up. And if it's going down, it's more likely to keep going down, right? And so that happens because there's a feedback loop and things happen in a circular sort of way, not in a straight line, not in a linear sort of way. So that's important to understand. And then, you know, the, the next tool is silos versus like emergence. So, you know, normal people think that everything happens like in a silo and they like to, to really trap everything down and bolt everything down and force things to happen the way that they wanted them to and only that way. Now, let me give you an idea of this. It's, this is a tougher one to understand, but when you really understand it, it will help you in a big, big way. So emergence is basically letting, well, emergence basically is complex behavior that arises from simple rules. And so if we look at like uh, the formation of birds when they're flying, it looks very, very complex and like a form of art, right? And we probably, we'd, we'd be, we'd probably think there's something very sophisticated going on there, but really it could just be a very simple rule that the birds have, which is don't collide, right? And based on that simple rule, we get this amazing pattern and behavior in the formation of a bird, in, in the formation of a flock of birds. And the same happens in business all the time. Like you don't need to control everything. You can just set some simple rules and then let emergence happen. And a perfect example of this in my business is we don't tell people you know, what niche to pick. We, we did this before, back when I didn't understand things so well. You know, I used to tell people these are the top 12 niches in the world. I don't know who I think I was to be able to make a claim like that, that I actually know that, which nobody can know. That's anyone who claims that they know the top niches in the world is they don't understand how life in the world works. Um, and the reason why is because I'll give you an example of this, and this is fascinating. When I was at school, you know, a lot of this, the social norms and what, what society had kind of tended to believe is that trades and being a plumber or a carpenter or a builder or an electrician, you know, they, they started to believe that doing these things is, is not considered successful. You know, they were, they were like, these things became frowned upon, and if you really wanted to be successful, you, oh, you've got to be a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer. These people are, are good, worthy people. These people are not good, right? Which is kind of messed up. So, you know, a lot of parents would say that to their kids, and, you know, a lot, so then what happens, right? And they, they probably thought that at that time. This is how people don't understand systems thinking. At that time, doctors and lawyers and accountants probably made more money than tradespeople. 
So they were like, oh, okay, well, then we should tell everybody to do these things because they obviously make more money. And if they do these things, then they will be more successful than these. And so if it doesn't, nothing works that, sim that simple, right? So then they tell everyone to do these things, people stop going and, and uh, starting these sorts of trades. Then what happens with time is that we end up in a market where there's too many uh, lawyers and accountants and not enough tradespeople. And so back home in New Zealand, this is happening right now, I know this well because I've got friends that are accountants and lawyers and I also have friends that uh, are tradespeople. And my dad uh, was a builder, so he knows this well too. And right now in New Zealand, carpenters and builders and plumbers and electricians make more money than accountants and lawyers. I not this is this is the way it is and not just a little bit but a lot more so right now like if you work for the top law firm and you've got like first-class honors and law and all of this stuff and then you go get a job at a law firm right and then you're gonna make less money than if you're just a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician and so the tables have turned right and this is because people didn't know how to think like if you skew the evolution of something like that, it's going to change, right? And that's what happened. And my point with this is, you know, a lot of people don't understand when they're teaching a course and telling people what to do. If they tell people to all do one thing, then as soon as everyone is doing that one thing, then it stops working. Because the only reason why it was working in the first place was probably because there wasn't a lot of people doing it. So now that a lot of people are, it loses its edge. Now it doesn't work as well. And now the whole business blows up and the tactic and strategy is no longer useful. Right? Same thing with niches. If I find at a point in time that the best thing to do is helping dentists with Facebook ads, then that might be true right now at a moment in time. But if now I teach 10,000 people to do Facebook ads for dentists, it's not the same anymore. It's the same phenomenon we saw with the uh, doctors, lawyers, accountants, and, and the tradespeople, right? So as soon as I started to learn this, uh, which was years ago, I stopped telling people what niche to pick because I didn't know anyway. And I know that the best, the best form or the best niche to pick is something that is unique to you individually. And as soon as I started doing this, people came up with the most amazing niche ideas which I've never seen before in my entire life. People started doing porn addiction consulting, like Hunter Oda's. Uh, and when he did this, he was way more successful. We've got people who do consulting on irritable bowel syndrome. We've got people who consult on like family crisis intervention. We've got people who consult on uh, you know losing weight and in in all of these different unique things that I would have never thought of that actually have turned out to be extremely profitable for for all of these different people and it's because they're unique and it's because there is emergence happening and what happens is when you stop siloing things you know siloing is telling everyone that they should all do Facebook ads for dentists siloing is telling everyone that they should do uh, you know law or accounting right? Emergence is letting things evolve for themselves and creating diversity and, you know, really letting things flower. And that's a huge strategy and tactic that I've executed in my company that's helped us get to where we are today by removing the siloing, letting emergence happen. Another one is parts and holes. So like I told you, it's like the 
the, the typical business owner who thinks customer support doesn't affect the whole. It's just something that should be farmed out to somewhere for cheap. It doesn't. Every part affects the whole, right? And quite often, the whole is only as good as its worst part. So it doesn't matter how good any, like all these other things are, if one part's rotten, the whole is rotten, right? It's all about having, you know, the whole operating the best it can. And then we have analysis and synthesis. So, you know, analysts that just view one core component without viewing the entire uh, interconnectedness of all of the components, they're not very good analysts. A perfect example of that is the person who looks at their landing page and thinks that by improving their landing page conversion rate that they're improving their whole business. Not true. I've seen that the opposite is true a lot of the time. So that's an example. You know, I can view the whole and the synthesis instead of just uh, individual component analysis. And then isolation and relationships. So, you know, a lot of people think that uh, things just happen in a vacuum, but a systems thinker will understand that everything is interconnected and everything has relationships with other things. For example, my mood is affected by the weather, right? So if it's sunny, I'm gonna be happier. That's like a fact. And then if I'm happier, I'm gonna do better work, right? And then if I do better work, then we're gonna make more money and help more people. So if we trace that back, the weather is actually quite important, right? So is my food, so is my diet, so is my exercise. If these inputs are off, my mood isn't very good. If my mood isn't very good, I don't do very good work. If I don't do very good work, I don't help my customers. If I don't help my customers, I don't make much money. So all of this is interconnected. You can start to see what I'm saying here, right? So some action steps for you to take. How do you become a systems thinker? Well, you want to start thinking of things like this. I recommend that you take a screenshot of this thing. Actually, I'll include a PDF of this beneath this video for download. So just go to beneath this video, find this uh, link, grab the PDF, print it out, put it on your wall, learn to see everything as a system and learn to see what, what are the input. If you're analyzing anything or trying to troubleshoot or diagnose anything or fix it, make it better, just ask yourself, what are the inputs? What's the processes? And then what are the outputs? Is there feedback present? If so, what is it? Is it positive? Is it negative? What's the amplification of this feedback? And then the environment, what things or forces are, are influencing this and in what sort of way, right? Understand this and then it makes everything so damn easy. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't make things really easy, but compared to doing it without this, I mean, yeah, it's like putting on glasses uh, after being blind and then learning to see, you know? If you do this, it'll make you learn to see. So if you enjoyed this video, what I want you to do is just click that like button. Also, let me know what you thought of this video in the comment section below. I'm gonna be checking these comments myself personally. And if you've got any questions about systems thinking or how you can be a systems th thinker, let me know in those comments. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you liked this video, I release one of these every single week, as well as customer interviews and other things uh, that will help you on your journey of becoming an entrepreneur, or if you're already one, becoming a better one. So thanks for watching this video, and I look forward to seeing you in the next one soon.